Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. This is Greg Olson, inviting you to check out my new Blue Wire podcast, TE1, where I interview tight ends throughout the history of the NFL who have helped revolutionize the position. TE1 is presented by the Chevy Silverado. The Silverado is all about grit. It's strong and dependable, exactly like playing tight end. Just like the incredible players we sit down with on the podcast, the Chevy Silverado is in a league of its own. Strong, advanced, and dependable. Download TE1 today wherever you listen to podcasts. It's exciting to win money. Back out to Allen. History Is there anything you don't gamble on? Uh, not really. Gambling gods, fickle butt. Oh, yeah. So easily impressed. Gambling's not your problem. You're just an idiot. Welcome to the Full Slate Sunday Scaries podcast brought to you by Visa, Indeed, and Bet Online. I'm your co-host, Cody Dark, joined by my brother out in Chicago, Tyler Darwin. Tyler, week two and another emotional roller coaster. Very emotional roller coaster. Um, we'll get to in a little bit with some of the injuries that happened, but from a gambling perspective, personally, huge bounce back week. Both of our locks of the week were thrilling games, I thought. Um, you know, the Chiefs. Chargers game in the late slate was good, so it was a really exciting weekend of football, I thought. Mm-hmm. And very chalky, which typically bodes well for us overall gambling-wise. I saw this tweet. Um, if you had teased the favorite in every game, and we're recording uh, before Sunday Night Football kicks off, so 14 games done, if you had teased every favorite, um, you would have gone 13 for 14. The only one that wouldn't have covered was the Eagles. Um, so... Every week, I mean, sometimes we'll hit on some teasers we like. We kind of mix it in. But almost every weekend we do sprinkle in one of those teasers where it's like, ah, oh, you get the six or seven point favorite down. And for once, the squares prevail. I know. I, I hit a four-team teaser, which feels like that never happens. And I think everyone in America was hinging on the Chiefs at the end like teasing them down to, you know, two, two and a half, or you had them in a money line parlay. Like that was the last piece. And that entire game felt like they were going to blow it versus the Chargers, but somehow they came through at the end and kind of, like you said, won it for all the squares out there. 
Yeah, an amazing, an amazing day for the squares. My five-team heavy favorite money line parlay hit of the Niners, Steelers, Ravens, Bills, and Chiefs. Um, and again, as we said, the teasers, the teasers worked this week. But Sunday scariest moment, Tyler. I'll let I'll let you get us started here. Yeah. So my Sunday scariest moment, you know, as 49er fans, is is a brutal day for injuries. Nick Bosa goes down with an ACL injury. Solomon Thomas, Garoppolo hurts his ankle. Raheem Mostert got hurt also, which I didn't even see when he got hurt. And just generally in the NFL, there were a ton of injuries today. Saquon tore his ACL. Christian McCaffrey hurt his ankle. Anthony Barr got hurt. Uh, Devontae Adams got hurt at the end of that game. Just a lot of injuries, so you never like to see that. So that's my Sunday scariest moment, just you know, seeing all these like really good players get hurt. And a lot of people are saying, oh, you know, you don't need the preseason. And I've, I I don't know if you even need – it's preseason, but just the training camp this year, how it was abbreviated, um, less practices. Like, you need – the preseason is important in some fashion. So I think those people were kind of quieted today with what happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I had a similar sentiment on my Sunday Scariest Moment. Just so many injuries. That was one of the factors going into season. Like, are these guys going to be in game shape? even though they typically only play like right a couple quarters of preseason, but just to have that contact against another team, I don't know how much that has to do with injuries, but definitely they piled on this week. Drew Locke also got hurt for the Broncos. Um, And for the 49ers, in terms of what it means for them, I mean, Bosa, in my opinion, probably their second most important player, uh, definitely their most important guy defensively, and I'd say behind Kittle only – kind of next up there uh it it definitely brings the ceiling down to this team in my opinion it's a huge loss kind of paired with trading uh buckner in the off season and didn't know what we'd get out of kim law you're kind of relying on a guy like posted to step up and d ford already is having some neck problems didn't play today so it it's the the stink of the super bowl loser feels like it's it's hovering around this 49er team the one thing i'll say is luckily their schedule out of the gate is pretty light yeah, it's definitely good, but what doesn't help them, and they talked about it after the game, is they play again next week at MetLife against the Giants, and a lot of the players, Shanahan, were pretty critical of the playing conditions, and you know, with the injuries they had today, the Jets had some guys leave the game as well. It's like, I, I, who knows if more guys get hurt next week. The NFL has to take a look at it and make sure the playing field is in great shape for these guys. Can't have these many guys this many guys going down and that's gonna be an issue all life all season at MetLife. I don't know. I mean it's 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 a bad stadium that hosts two bad teams, the Jets. I said it last week on our Sunday Scaries podcast. Thought it might jinx us, but we saw it today. They are so bad and the play calling by Adam Gase is just so bad. They had a couple third and threes early in the game. They're moving the ball and they just run it up the middle. They they love you know, third and longs doing uh, wide receiver screens with no blockers. So Adam Gase, I mean, uh, he's a horrible coach, and the Jets are a horrible team. So at least the 49ers got in the win column this week, but long term this wasn't a great week for them. No, no, certainly not. Um, and another kind of my runner-up Sunday scariest moment, and this will transition into our lock of the week, but the the Dallas Cowboys taking them. Um, they got off to a god awful start. It was like they were they were groggy. They hadn't woken up in the morning um, because this Falcons team got off to 
a 20 to nothing start. This was definitely the craziest game of the day, Tyler. Minus four and a half had some legs a little bit in the second half. We got some really questionable calls all around, I think, uh, in terms of head coaching decisions. So one of my favorites, and I didn't see any any support online or any answer online, so the Cowboys were down 15 uh, in, in the second half. They score a touchdown, and they go for two on the first the first uh, score, so they were down nine at that point. You think you just kick the field goal, and then you uh, you try and go for two the next time to tie it up. They did not do that, um, but ultimately it didn't matter because your boy Dan Quinn Tyler did enough with with this special bunch that are the Atlanta Falcons. To I did put a little bit on the Cowboys live, so that was a nice way to claw back some of my losses from there, uh, blowing the four and a half. But so. The Falcons' performance in this one's actually historic. So they uh, they blew a 15-point lead in the final five minutes of a game. So in the last 20 seasons, Tyler, teams that have led by 15 or more points in the last five minutes are 1,875 and six until the Falcons did this. So they're the seventh team in that in that uh, special category. And the onside kick by the Falcons, and, and just an all-time bonehead move by by that hands team. They just let the ball continue to roll, and the Cowboys to jump on it. it. Was it was like they had never played football before or watched it? Yeah, it's just sign of a a poorly coached team. Dan Quinn after the game had to like answer to if they knew the rules on how far the ball travels and if they could touch it before because. The ball didn't travel 10 yards, but it was just sitting there for the Falcons to jump on it, end the game, get out of there with a W. So that those are just signs of poorly coached teams. It's not like Mike McCarthy, your boy, uh, did a lot for the Cowboys at the beginning of the game with the fake punt in the first half that gave the Falcons the 17 nothing lead. He did another fake, yeah, he did another fake punt in the second half. In this game. I had a lot of games going on my laptop on the TV, and I was, like, keeping track of this game but wasn't watching it intently as you probably were. It just felt like it kept going and going, and it wasn't ending. It felt like the Cowboys were just, like, kind of hanging around, hanging around, and somehow they, they pulled out the win. You mentioned the stat about the 15-point lead. I'll give you another one that's pretty crazy. Mm. ESPN put this out, um, our good friends at Alive Sports Bureau. The Falcons had 39 points with zero turnovers in their loss. Entering today, teams all-time were 440 in zero, so they've never lost (laughs) when scoring this many points and having no turnovers. And, yeah, it's a weird stat, but it makes sense. Like, you score 39 points, you don't turn the ball over, and you lose the game. I mean, it's terrible. And you talked about the 49ers with, you know, Super Bowl loser stink. The Falcons can... Now washed off that 28 to three thing from a few years ago. They blew the 29 to 10 lead at, uh, today, so it's a brutal loss. And feels like both of these teams, like this game, swings them in opposite directions, right? Falcons, this feels like your season's over essentially, and like you just can't get out of your own way. And for the Cowboys, like winning a crazy game like this, where you made a ton of mistakes, had a lot of turnovers early, to pull it out kind of like catapults you. Yeah, I mean, you look at the stats from from this game. Um, I regret not taking the over. The over went way, way over in this one. 40-39, you look at the total yards. The Cowboys had 570 yards of offense. 
The Falcons only have 380. The Cowboys turned the ball over three times, but like you said, it ultimately didn't matter. They were able to get the job done. Credit to Dak. He led some strong possessions there at the end, and they were able to to get the job done, uh, kind of defy the odds. I thought, did you see their possession at the end of the game where they recover the onside kick, they get the ball into Falcons territory with like a little over a minute left, and then they decide, ooh, like let's just settle for a 46-yard field goal here, which I was sure was going to miss. Like you might as well, like let's try and like get the ball A, closer to the end zone or just score a touchdown. Yeah, they were, they were settling and it was just setting up for – you know, then to pull off, yeah, just pull off a crazy onside kick recovery and then miss the field goal. But yeah, like you said, Dak played really well. Very weird stat line. He had 450 yards, one passing touchdown, 18 rushing yards, but three rushing touchdowns. I feel like that is mm-hmm. such a bizarre stat line for a quarterback. And I talked about Adam Gase being a terrible coach. I'm going to bring it up again. I think I said this to Bram when he's on. This week, the prop of who gets fired first, Adam Gase versus Dan Quinn, is heating up. I think after this week, Dan Quinn has to have the lead, but Adam no, Gase is no. not very far behind. I, th- I think the issue is the Jets are so bad, they're going to continue to lose while this Falcons team actually has talent and they should get that's, the job done. Yeah, versus, that's why I'm versus, right. yeah, yeah, versus lesser opponents. I uh, This this was big for my Cowboys over nine and a half win total on the year. This this was a big win. It was looking like the NFC East winner with the way the Giants were playing early in that one. Saquon goes down. We know with the Washington they ended up losing um, at night, and Philly lost again. It was like all the jokes were going around. Like does four four and twelve win the NFC East this year? All this all this stuff. Um, But the Cowboys right the ship. They had a ton of injuries on the offensive line. I think. So three of their top tackles were out. So you know, got to do got to do better research on my end there. But uh, so I, I moved to one and one in my locks of the week. They do end up coming back and winning. So every, anyone who hopped on them live money line like myself, that was a nice little clawback there. But uh, it, both these teams seem like good good teams to bet the over on from here on out because their defenses looked god awful again. Um, but Tyler, yeah, talk, talk talk talk. Go ahead. Just one last, two last points on this game. Like, Dan Quinn, his criticism, like, he's a defensive coach, and they they gave up 40 points this week. Dak tore them up last week. Russell Wilson only had four incompletions. Like, not probably a good sign when you're a defensive coach that your defense is that bad. And also, I want to apologize, hands up. I think Alex, our producer, bet it. Um, Cowboys first quarter, I did all my great research on that. It didn't hit. Hands up. I was wrong. Um, so I'm sorry for anyone who followed that pick. They were actually down 20 to nothing after the first quarter. Um, my model maybe just spit that one out wrong. So I apologize to all our listeners. Yeah, yeah, that's a big win for uh, Dan Healing. Cleat Street trends are not your friends. Uh, so just just more proof in the pudding there. But uh, Tyler, you pulled you pulled a lock of the week winner out of your ass. Yeah, I know. And I was thinking <laughs> about this. Last year, my lock of the week in the last week of the season was the Bucks over as well, uh, and I hit it on Jameis throwing a pick six in overtime. So I think I just have to ride with these Bucks overs, and just they always find a crazy way to hit. Um, but yeah, this was thrilling. I had the over in the Bucks Panthers game, forty-seven and a half, and you know the game stood out like pretty nice. Tampa Bay scored fourteen points in the first quarter. I was like, okay, like you know this is gonna be back and forth. It's 21 nothing at halftime, and Carolina really didn't do anything, but 
the fourth quarter, had 20 points, so really pulled this one out. And I'll go back. It was 21-14. There were like six minutes left in the game, so I really needed touchdowns and quickly. The Bucks had the ball third down, probably around like the 25-yard line. Brady actually throws a nice pass once in this game to LaShawn McCoy wide open in the end zone. Just goes right through his hands. That felt like the dagger. So it was 24 to 14 at that point. Carolina gets the ball back and they actually move down the field. Like their first play was like a big play to Robbie Anderson, I think. They're at midfield. I'm like, okay, if they score quickly, like I might have a chance. And then they get into the red zone. And this is probably Matt Rule, first time head coach in the NFL. Teddy Bridgewater. Just they had no sense of urgency. They ran the clock down so much to under the two minute warning. And they only had two timeouts left then. You know, you kick a field goal, you have a chance, at least you're down a touchdown to get a stop and give yourself a chance to get into overtime. No sense of urgency. So they kick a field goal uh, under the two-minute warning. I'm like, I have no chance. Then the Bucks recover the onside kick. And first play, Leonard Fournette breaks a 46-yard run for a touchdown. And it was a great moment, probably the best moment of Leonard Fournette's career, best moment for me. Um, so it was an exciting way to win a lock of the week. Yeah, I mean, you look at the the kind of game log, and it was one of those things where it just that game didn't appear on red zone for like for like an hour and a half probably <laughs> because like you said, the Bucks went up twenty one nothing. It was very slow. The total was at twenty eighth or three quarters, so it's kind of dead in the water. You have that Lashawn McCoy drop. But it's better to be lucky than good, and at the end of the day, that's that's a W for you. I'm happy. I'm really happy for you, Tyler. Um, I actually bet that one myself, so I was I was happy. Um, but we'll see. So we're both 101 going into uh, week three here, just the way we like it, offering around that 500 mark. Um, yeah. yeah, it was, and I want to just touch on this game one more point. Like, both teams were just making so many mistakes. It felt like just like little daggers at me the entire game, and then the McCoy drop was huge. But I'm not going to say Brady's washed up because I feel like that's an over-exaggeration, but I don't know if he needs to get more in sync with these receivers, but he missed some, like, really bad throws today. He had, they did a flea flicker in the second quarter, and he, I don't know what receiver it was on the box. It wasn't Scotty Miller or someone else. Wide open for a touchdown. He underthrows him. The guy catches it, but, like, he missed yeah. him there. There's there a wheel route they did to another receiver who was wide open. He throws a terrible pass, hits the guy in the helmet. He overthrew Gronk over the middle that ended up getting picked off. So I don't want to say Brady's washed because I feel like people say that. I, I always think of Peyton Manning that last year with Denver. I don't think he's that bad, but he's definitely not sharp, and he's definitely not himself. So just something to keep an eye on. Yeah, he's he's washed. He still doesn't have it as much. And that that Denver, Peter Manning winning the Super Bowl, that defense was just that good. It was despite him. And like at times, I think Brock Osweiler actually was was the better option there. But regardless, yeah, they they do get right versus versus Panthers team that um, their defense leaves leaves a bit to be desired there. Uh, let's talk about the the late slate here, the game that I think. Looking at kind of the handle breakdowns, like we had Ben on, Ben Fox, who works for Visa now, he tweets it out, Ravel tweet out sometimes, like the ticket count at some of the sports books going into a game, and everyone says if there's over 90% on the side, uh, it's typically a bad sign if you're on that side. The Chiefs, uh, <laughs> the Chiefs-Chargers game, it's all like some ridiculous 
percentage splits where it was like 98% on the Chiefs to 2% on the Chargers, 94-6, all this stuff. Um, and right before the game, Tyrod Taylor just sees – he had some chest injury that he had during warm-ups. So Justin Herbert gets thrown out there. So I think everyone and their and their brother is like, oh, great, this should be an easy win. And Chargers actually got off to a pretty good start. And I thought Justin Herbert all in all played well versus the Chiefs defense that I think doesn't get enough credit. I mean, he went 22-33, 311 yards, touchdown, and a pick. The Chargers were eight-and-a-half-point home dogs in this game. Um, and I think I saw you tweeted out, Tyler, that no fans is actually a home, home field advantage for his Chargers team, given that safe bet for more Chiefs fans to be there. Um, I I mean, the Chargers team is feisty. Their defense looks good. Um, I did take their wins under this year, so this was a nice one to steal back. And at the end of the day, Mahomes just made enough plays, and you kind of forget how mobile of a quarterback he is. He doesn't really have to use it, but he did a lot to kind of negate this Chargers pass uh, rush. He had six carries for 54 yards, and his, his long touchdown was it a touchdown? The, yeah, the long touchdown he threw um, to basically tie this game up was just incredible. Yeah, he was awesome. And, you know, like you said, the Chargers defense through the first three quarters of this game dominated and kind of really held down the Chiefs. But it's just Mahomes' greatness. You can't hold him down that long. And in the fourth quarter in overtime, he was incredible. That throw to Tyree Kill was like, I don't know how many guys can make that. Maybe Rodgers a couple of years ago and maybe Russell Wilson. Like, that's it. That throw was unreal, off balance, you know, running away from the pass rush. And he was getting pretty beat up in this game. Bosa had a really nice game. A couple uh, Jerry Tiller, he was going after him. So he was getting beat up, and he just kind of willed this Chiefs team to win. Like, he kind of put hit, put them on his back. You look at the uh, you know the box score breakdown. Chargers had more first downs, more plays, more yards. Uh, they possessed the ball eleven more minutes than the Chiefs, but Mahomes was just able to make big plays at the game. And it was it was so typical. Anthony Lynn in overtime, they get the ball first. <laughs> they have fourth and one, I think around the forty, and he punts yep. the ball like yep. such a loser mentality. You know you're giving the ball back to the Chiefs. You know Mahomes is going to take them down and probably win the game the way their offense was playing, and especially the defense. The Chargers' defense was gassed. You saw Bosa on the sideline towards the end of that game. They were gassed, and you don't you punt the ball. Like, what are you doing? Yeah, it's it's then such then, a right. loser mentality. Right. At the end of the day, you're starting a rookie quarterback, his first career start, you're eight-and-a-half-point underdogs, and you have a chance to potentially, like, drive down the – and they were moving the ball in the Chiefs' defense, actually, like, on the ground. Uh, so I agree. Anthony Lynn, as soon as that happened, I was like, there's there's no way they end up winning this game, which is good news for us. But, I mean, I was impressed with what I saw to Justin Herbert, and I wonder if it was kind of easier for him to just get the nod, like, essentially, like – probably like 30 minutes before this game started, so he had no time to think about it, and then he was just thrown out there. Yeah, it's a good point. And going back to what you said about my tweet about the Chargers, I want the NFL to regulate the amount of uh, crowd noise these stadiums are allowed to put in. Cause it was they, unrealistic. Do. they do. Yeah, I don't know. It was unrealistic. It's up, it's up to 70 decibels, I think, is, is the number. But I'm saying it's it was unrealistic how loud the Chargers stadium today because it, it's never like that for a Chargers home game, especially if they're playing the Chiefs. It would have been mostly Chiefs fans. So there was more of a home field advantage the way they're piping in that noise than compared to an actual game. So I thought that was it's a little BS. And 
uh, Harrison Bucker. I mean, this guy is stones. Everyone talks about Justin Tucker, basketball, oh which, which he probably is. But Harrison Bucker, at the end of the game in overtime, kicks the 53-yarder, goes in. There's a false start. Uh, now they're at 58. Anthony Lynn calls a timeout. He kicks it again, Trails makes it, it. Mm-hmm. and he kicked three in a row. Ended up winning the game. Like it just felt like he was going to miss it. And were you were you listening? It. Were you listening to Nance and Romo on the call? Because I thought for sure they're going to mush him. They're like, God, this Bucker. He he hasn't missed. He hasn't missed one. They rattle off a stat. He drills it. False start. Like you said, back it up, hits it again. He's like, man, this Bucker, he's not going to miss one. Like, he's definitely going to miss, and, and Chargers are going to go down and win, or this is going to be a tie. Yeah, they were definitely trying to mush that. And like you said, Justin Herbert, I, he did play well. And, I mean, they don't go back to Tyrod, right? Unless, you know, obviously if Herbert gets hurt, you do. But I think he's the starter the rest of the year. He has to be, right? He, he played well. He clearly has a grasp of this offense, and they're able to move the ball well. He's pretty mobile. The interception he threw really swung the game because Chiefs were kind of dead in the water when he did that. The, I think the Chargers were up eight at that point, and they were driving, and driving, they were having yeah. long, long possessions to keep Mahomes off, and he makes a really bad mistake, and it looked like he could have just ran it for a first down, um, but that, that was a really bad uh, move. But other than that, he, he, played, uh, he played great. Mm-hmm. He definitely did. Uh, some other games we can talk about here. I mean, we we profiled it on the uh, the Pick'em Pod. I don't want to talk about it, but the Rams took care of business versus the Eagles. The Eagles are garbage. They're you so have, bad. You have 20 seconds on the Eagles? That's my, <laughs> those are my thoughts. I'm very upset I ended up going with them. Um, Carson Wentz is just bad. I, f- I feel like Eagle fans at this point kind of wish they kept Foles. Um, he's he's just he's bad. He makes too many mistakes. He holds on the, to the ball way too long. They they got down early in this game. They kind of fought back. It was 21-16 at the beginning of the third quarter. They drive down the field. They're in the red zone. And Wentz just throws like an inexplicable ball into double coverage. It gets picked off. Defender made a nice play, but he still shouldn't have thrown his first down. And he's he always tries to force these throws, gets picked off, and then game's over from there. Jared Goff played really well, uh, 267 yards, 20 of 27, three touchdowns, no picks. So Rams look good. Their offense is clicking, uh, you know, early here. NFC West is the best division of football. The Cardinals also took care of uh, Washington and another impressive game from them. And I know Washington, we had, we had low expectations for them uh, coming into this year, but I think Arizona's defense looked look pretty good again. Uh, they, they fly around. They look fast um, and and are going to be a real problem. They forced two turnovers. Visa knows that local businesses are the heartbeat of our communities. Whether there are corner stores, our coffee spots, or our favorite shops, local businesses have always been there for us. They remember our orders. They call us by name, always giving back, making a difference, and going that extra mile to support us and our community. And right now, more than ever, local businesses need our support. So now it's time for us to return the favor. The next time you go shopping, make the choice to shop at local businesses and look for the contactless symbol and tap to pay with a contactless visa to help support your community because where and how you shop matters. Visa, everywhere you want to be, official partner of the NFL. Even though sports had a break, your business didn't. You have to keep moving and that makes hiring more important than ever. Indeed is here to help. Indeed.com is the number one job site in the world because Indeed gets you the best people fast. 
Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need, you can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. Plus, Indeed provides powerful tools to make your search that much easier. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Offer valid only through September 30th. Sorry for that. We had a little technical difficulty with Skype. Um, but let's move on, Cody. Before we get into our Grandpa Billy's Bum of the Week, one thing I wanted to bring up were there were a lot of bad beats this week. We talked about how the favorites did uh, you know, pretty well if you were in teasers, but there were some really bad beats this week, starting on Thursday night with the Browns-Bengals game. Browns were favored about five and a half, six, and they were up double digits. Most of that game, it felt like, and Joe Burrow came down, garbage time touchdown at the end to Tyler Boyd, gets them within the number and to cover Buffalo today versus Miami. Miami scores a touchdown under a minute left to only lose by three. They cover Sam Darnold throws a touchdown at the end of the 49er jet game. That hits the over, and a lot of people were on the under, and that game was around 41-42. Um, and there was one more. Oh, the Bucks, uh panthers game, which we talked about earlier. Yeah, and that up. under. Mm-hmm. Well, that, well, that under, but that Leonard Fournette touchdown also uh, made the Bucks covers 8.5. So a lot of bad beats out there, so I just kind of wanted to touch on that before we moved on. Yeah, it's amazing. Fitzpatrick does this every single year. The guy just figures out a way uh, to cover. I know he didn't cover last week versus the Pats, but uh, it, it's just very classic for him to have that late drive down double digits that'll kind of slide on in the back door. When did when did the Dolphins just trot two out there? I don't know. I, I feel like, I mean, they played... New England last week, they played Buffalo this week, so those are two tough defense to start, you know, rookie, and also has the injury history. Um, maybe by the end of the year, I, I would like to see him out there. Josh Allen, we had Mike Randall on before the season. He gave out Allen as his MVP pick. I think is 60-1 to 1 in some spots. I personally couldn't see it, but, I mean, they haven't, they haven't played two good teams yet, really, but he's he looked really good today. He's 24-35. 417 yards, four touchdowns, ran for 18, and he didn't have a turnover, which is incredible for him. So the MVP buzz is, you know, through two games, he's he's looking pretty good. Yeah, he didn't have his vintage Josh Allen, Jameis Winston moment where it's like, what are you doing? Come on. Um, so good for Josh Allen, good for the Bills. Uh, my, my AFC East future with them is off to a decent start. We'll see how the Pats look tonight. But uh, it's a really talented Bills team, bottom line. They had to beat the two teams they beat in the Jets and Dolphins. But they've looked pretty – I mean, the fact that the game's so close does actually make me a little nervous. We'll see what the Pats look like tonight. But, uh, yeah, Josh Allen, he's – he has this an interesting case, I think similar to Kyler Murray. He puts up big numbers um, because he can sling it and he can also run, and we've seen that trend recently between Mahomes and uh, Lamar winning the MVP. So both those teams are kind of square right in the mix as, as we start here. But uh, in terms of Grandpa Billy's bum of the week, 
to wrap this up, um, I will start first here. Uh, you spoke about it a little bit earlier, Tyler. Adam Gase as the as your bum of the, as uh, just how bad of a coach he is. He's my grandpa Billy's bum of the week. Watching this Jets team, they really were just going against. I mean, the second half, they're for sure were essentially going against, like, the fourth preseason game 49ers with all the injuries they have. No Kittle, no Jimmy G, no Mostert, uh, no Richard Sherman, uh, no Bosa, obviously. So just totally crushed in terms of injuries. And this game was never really in doubt. I mean, they were moving the ball a little bit in the first half. You mentioned it, some terrible play calling, running up the middle on, on short downs when Darnold actually looked okay. And then on long, longer drives, third and 10, third and 13, they throw a bubble screen multiple times. And Darnold had 21 completions in this game for only 179 yards. Realize there's some injuries there, but... This this Adam Gates Jets thing is an absolute train wreck. Um, if I'm a Jets fan, I want him fired tomorrow. They start Frank Gore, and he actually had some moments where he looked decent. He had 21 carries, 63 yards, so not not a great box score. Um, he was hired to be an offensive coach, right? He was the offensive coordinator in Miami, supposed to be a little bit of a guru. They've never had a good offense. I realize Sam Darnold had mono last year, but. The Jets spent very high draft capital on Sam Darnold. You need to figure out if he's your guy as soon as possible because you're looking at a situation where they could have the number one pick in Trevor Lawrence coming in. So uh, this is it for Adam Gay. So he's my grandpa Billy's bum of the week. This Jets situation is pathetic. It should have been more, more of a game versus uh, the 49ers is banged up, and it really was not. Yeah, I mean... Adam Gase gets credit for being, like, an offensive guru, like you said. I think his start was in Denver with Peyton Manning. It's like, Peyton Manning's going to make anyone look good, and I feel like that's been able to carry him throughout his career. He did have some nice success in Miami for a little bit, but he's brutal. He had a really good quote after the game, I thought. He said, we did not play the game we needed to play. Straightforward. Makes sense. Um, yeah, the Jets are a train wreck. Last year, they are... Like, them and the Bills were kind of neck and neck, if I like, with getting buzz for, like, you know, a wild card team, a team that could compete with the Patriots in the AFC East. And I don't know what happens to Jets. I know they got rid of Jamal Adams. Um, they're just a train wreck. Le'Veon Bell was hurt today, but it seems like even when he plays, he hates – him and Gase just hate each other. That's not going to work. Um, like I said last week, and I – Affirm that point now, and Jacksonville's been really competitive through two games. Everyone thought they were going to be the worst team. The Jets are by far the worst team. They are terrible. Their receivers are so bad. Uh, they just have all these Patriots kind of washed up guys, right? Chris Hogan, um, the Braxton Berrios, like they're they're terrible. They're going to have a number one pick. I think you definitely take Trevor Lawrence. Um, and then you just trade Darnold and try to get something back for him. They're wasting Darnold, honestly. You know, he's on that rookie deal. That's when you try to, like, make a competitor around him. But they're terrible. They are so bad. Yeah, I mean, they're without Jamison Crowder, who's, like, a nice uh, maybe fourth wide receiver in your full-point PPR league. Uh, but he's their number one. Uh, this team is pathetic. Adam Gase, Grandpa Billy's bum of the week. He's going to be fired in the next, I'm going to say, three to five weeks. And that, may oh, be wow. gen- and that may be generous. They said uh, Chris Johnson, who's I don't, he's not, the, he's like the owner's son, I think. He had some pretty positive words that he believes in Adam Gase and Sam Arnold. I don't, I don't know where he stands tonight. Um, that team is a train wreck. My grandpa Billy's bum of the week. A guy 
you know, I love to shit on on this podcast. Uh, Kirk Cousins, a miserable game for him. 11 of 26, 113 yards, three picks. His QBR was nine. His QB uh, <laughs> rating was 15.9. And just a really embarrassing game for the Vikings overall. They got killed last week by the Packers. And you'd figure going into this game, Kirk Cousins should have pretty good success. The Colts let Gardner Minshew go 19 of 20 last week. So you'd think Kirk Cousins should have some confidence, but he was terrible. There was a safety in that game. Um, They only had 12 first downs, under 200 yards of total offense. Vikings off to a rough start. So Kirk Cousins, my grandpa Billy's bum of the week, just a really terrible game from him. Yeah, this... this line made no sense um, at all in terms of uh, going into the week. I was like, why are the Colts three points better than really anyone after losing to who everyone thought was the worst team in the NFL and the Jags and the Vikings laid an egg so Vegas knew what they were talking about. Are the Vikings just really bad this year? What's the deal? I know they've, they lost Stephon Diggs. They lost a couple guys defensively, but this team won a playoff game last year. Yeah, it seems like Kirk Cousins just... He had, you know, those quotes before the season. He wasn't afraid to die. Um, maybe his head isn't in the right space right now. Um, <laughs> I mean, they he, lost the offensive coordinator, so maybe Stefanski is that big of a loss because this, this is this is pathetic. I mean, the Colts' defense is not that good. Yeah, but they, I mean, they brought in Gary Kubiak, who's kind of just like. I think Stefanski studied under Gary Kubiak runs like pretty similar offense. Um, they put up points last week versus Green Bay, but they got off to a terrible start in that game and some garbage points. So they they need to they need to get it together quick because I went to in the NFC is doing you no favors right now with the way you know Arizona looks. The NFC West is loaded. Um, Packers look really good in their division. So Minnesota's gonna need to turn around quick. They don't have Bears are undefeated. Yeah, Bears, Mitch Trubisky, <laughs> undefeated Bears. Um, Nom, uh, second, Grandpa Billy's just quick nominee. Bill O'Brien, did you see what he did today in that game? When he punted at the end? I, I, I missed that part, but that's bad too. But at the beginning of the game, it was I think it was 3-0, and they went for a fourth down in their own territory on their 35. They get they don't get it, and then Ravens come down and score a touchdown. It's like you're playing the arguably the best team in the league with such an explosive offense. Just doing yourself no favors by putting your defense in that situation. You go down 10 nothing real quick against Baltimore. So just another boneheaded move and just love seeing some of my favorite coaches in action today. It was nice for us. Uh, we had the, the, the Ravens first half team total over, so that that helped contribute there. Um, yeah, another, another week full of... Roller coaster games. The NFL never ceases to amaze in terms of all this stuff, and just the Falcons not not approaching that onside kick really is it just is perfect. The wait is finally over. Football is back. You might not be at a game this year, but you could still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season, from game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props. 
BetOnline gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You could get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to BetOnline today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use promo code BLUEWIRE at BetOnline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. 